being quiet is the hard part. And I don't know why I can't remember that it is September 28th. This is Cordelia Storm. This chair reminds me of a book called This Chair Rocks, but this one squeaks. Welcome to Art of Retreat 2019, the parkour leadership and education retreat. We're in the Cascade Mountains outside of Seattle, Washington. I'm Craig Constantine from Movers Mindset, and I'm here with Cordelia Storm. Hello. Cordelia is a parkour coach and athlete, as well as Parkour Visions program director. She has taught parkour workshops worldwide and previously coached with Apex Movement before returning to Seattle and her current position with PKV. In addition to her parkour knowledge and coaching, Cordelia also owns her own personal coaching company where she helps clients to increase effectiveness in all areas of their life. Welcome, Cordelia. Hi again. Cordelia, the session that you did was titled Creating Community and Workability with Your Staff. And I'm wondering if you can just lead me through a little bit of the basics of what everybody missed who wasn't there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the A big part of the, the set of the session was really about how do you listen to each other and not like how do you listen to someone, but but um, more so what's the context in which you perceive someone. So um, when we are working with staff or working with anyone in our community, um, it's common that we end up sort of subconsciously like labeling people, right? Um, a really good example is um, at Park Revisions, we've had issues of uh, coaches being uh, consistently responding to their emails. And so, <laughs> right, pretty common that, that's thing. That's not just at Park Revisions. <laughs> <laughs> and um, normally when, when something even just simple as that happens, what can happen is, is you know, for me as a, uh, a manager, you know, like a program director, what can auto automatically show up is, this person is irresponsible or this person is too busy or I just start, you know, like that labeling them. And that can really quickly turn into a toxic environment because then I can go over to, I don't know, like say Caitlin and be like, this person never responds to their emails. And she's like, yeah, you're right. And, um, and usually it seems like, oh, venting is really good. Like that's not a big deal, but it's one of those small like chip in okay. I don't know, chip on the shoulder of a relationship yeah. of someone right. it's a bit of weight that you piled on yeah exactly and, and it's what gets in the way of you like being with someone so there's nothing in between you um so th so the conversation was really about um how do you consistently restore relationships not that like it's going to like make everything perfect and people will magically answer their emails for instance but how do you have uh open and honest communication with people so that you can accurately address things and how do you um you know get to treat other adults like adults and not get stuck in that like they're like this and they're like that sort of mindset so how do you coach um so we're here at our retreat you would mostly be coaching people who are working with members of their teams and the people that you're talking to are in usually more in a leadership position and so one of the things we're doing with these podcasts um, is to try and break the fourth wall to give people who are listening now a chance to maybe have their thoughts changed or go try something. So I'm wondering if there are some tips or maybe um, an exercise. I don't know if that works in this context that people yeah. can be challenged to try. Yeah, it's. It, I guess it would be more of just a um, like an awareness practice would be the way it would go, which is just noticing for yourself what automatically comes up even when you when you think about someone or when you're with them, because um, it's not. Uh, it's it's usually the first thought that you have about someone. Mm -hmm. That's that's really what you're looking for. Right, like um, I recently, uh, I led a staff meeting where I noticed that basically it was a staff meeting where we were addressing the whole emails thing, it was an easy example, right? <laughs> and uh, I just noticed for myself, my automatic reaction was like upset with people. And so 
I didn't feel that that staff meeting went very well and what I could have, like if I could reframe how I thought about that, you know, just taking a minute, um, I would have liked to come from um, just acknowledging coaches for who they are. Cause really coaches are, are the ground, you know, they're like the front line right. of, of, yeah, of park the entire project, right? right? Like the entire thing. And um, just, and it's just so easy to forget that, you know, when you just automatically label someone for something. So it's all inside of that. Um, so that would be part one is just noticing it. And then part two is um, I would say just using radical honesty and like telling one on yourself and mm-hmm. having a conversation with someone and be like, Hey, I want you to know like this, unfortunately, like I formulated this thought and um, I just want you to know, like I'm not committed to viewing you like that, but I would love to have a conversation with you about that. And, and um, cause what we do when we stop um, when we don't, Uh, what we do when we label people is we end up losing our curiosity with that person. You know, like we lose, we lose our, like, who is that person? And like, what can I discover with this person? What can I create with that person? So it's really important to, um, for any relationship, I'd argue in life to maintain that, that how do you keep cultivating your curiosity? Which I think actually, as I'm talking about, I think it's very um, unanimous with parkour in that it's so important to maintain our our motivations for play. It's like playing in communication something that's identified so we people who do parkour people who talk about parkour we all talk about that we say it's very important that you have uh, either parkour vision or play vision or that you see these opportunities and, and we talk about it and we i was gonna say harp on it but it's not i mean it negatively but then like physician heal thyself you should take that same idea and apply it to not just parkour but you know relationships so i think it makes perfect sense to say that you should start by observing um it sounds to me like you play a significant role in I'm going to say the culture creation at PKV, and I'm I'm wondering, maybe how do you when you see something in the culture, and I don't want to harp on that. Maybe you can if you want to keep going on the email, but I'm wondering how you how do you make a correction to culture because um, culture isn't it's not really a thing. It's like it's this it's the label that we're sticking on all these acts. So I was thinking, all right, so we're talking about culture. Oh no, I just labeled something. So I'm wondering if you don't want to be labeling things, how do I get a handle? on how to change a behavior or activity that I see because I want to change the culture. Yeah, and I, I don't think it's so much that you shouldn't label things. Maybe I'm actually saying that incorrectly. It's more that you want to be conscious of the story that you're telling um, because just as human beings, we're always going to be telling stories. Like our thoughts are just always going to be going off. You can't stop your thoughts. Maybe yeah. you can for like a couple of minutes of meditation, but right. like it's going to come back, right? Your mind does that too? Oh, good. I thought mine was just <laughs> yeah. broken. You're the only one. That's uh, Yeah. Um, so, no. Um, and it's it's a it's it's all about reframing the stories that you have because the way that you perceive someone is going to give you the actions that you take around that person, which is you know same as parkour. The way that you perceive your environment, if you perceive it as dangerous, you're going to literally try less, right? Versus if you perceive it as inviting or approachable or positively attainable. challenging, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm really interested in this in this conversation of uh, how do we take the flow state that we experience in parkour and how do we bring it into our everyday life, you know, and and um, the last couple of years I've been doing these personal development programs that I've seen all these parallels around how do we have flow state and communication. Um, but to answer your question about how do we actually alter the culture, um, I, it's still something I'm very much exploring. Like, I'm not going to lie, I don't have all the answers and not everyone answers their emails at Park Revision still. <laughs> um, but but it is like, it, it is um, being able to 
out of the conversations that I've had, I, I've really been able to listen to people for what their motivations are as opposed to what I want their motivations to be. And sometimes out of that, what's shown up has been people have changed job roles. Um, like one person we're developing a performance team because they're very, you know, they're, they're more interested in being a performer than, you know, like a kid's coach and doing all these hours of coaching and, and things. So, um, but that conversation wouldn't happen if I hadn't talked to them about, you know, like, what do you, what do you, how, how is the job going for you? Right. right. And, and that conversation can easily come from a problem. So it is, it's obstacles as opportunities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and being curious about those, those obstacles. Um, that's really that, I think that's just the blanket thing the that blanket. I have is if some, if I do think one-on-one conversations are very important. Um, I, I think it's about creating trust so that people can feel like they, they feel comfortable approaching you, which I do. I also talked about in my talk about how, um, in our society, I, it, I don't think it's a, a, a surprise, but like we have authority, we have like this kind of authority issue of like, we're just all taught from school age that you need to pay attention to authority so you find yourself being a manager i found myself being a manager and all of a sudden people are relating to me as this like authority figure that they should be either pushing against or paying attention to or not paying attention to and all these just default things that show up paradigm mike yep yeah and so so how do i approach people to kind of break that and it, it does take me consistently checking in with them because I, I do find that one of the pitfalls that managers get into is they're like, I consider myself to be an open person. You guys can totally approach me. And then just nobody says anything. Right. And, and I think that's, um, there's actually a great example of um, uh, in the talk, one, one of the people there, they had an issue where they had bought staff shirts and they had asked before, like, hey, give us your input on what the design should be. And then nobody responded. And then afterwards, they get all the staff shirts, and everybody responded. Everyone responded. Yes. Everyone hates this. Yeah, yes. you know. Um, well, and, there's the, there's a power dynamic in any of those in any of those situations. So, as a manager, you have um, you have a lot of responsibility, but you also have a lot of power. <clears throat> and the the joke is always, you have boss tattooed on your forehead, and you cannot remove exactly. the tattoo. You can't cover yeah. with a hat. No matter how much you want to be nice, you are still responsible for those people or those roles, and. I think that makes it extra or it means that it's extra important for you to like to cross the street. So, you know, yeah, I have an open door policy. Yeah, that's nice. But you also need <laughs> yeah. to go to the people figuratively and literally and also make yourself available. So it's like, oh, you say you have an open door policy and I can see that you are also interested in what I might have to say. And then once you've built that rapport, then they may very well swing in and give you a little test. Like I have a little thing to bring up and if it works well, then, then okay, mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. in fact have an open door policy and then it works. Hey, why do all the people just come in your office and talk to you? Well, cause I have an open door policy, but there's a piece that you didn't, that not yeah. you, but that one forgot to share, which is I earned their belief in my open door policy. So yeah, exactly. And it's something you do have to cultivate and it's, it's something that you will not always succeed at. You know, like there's definitely going to be people who you they just don't connect and mm. that's that's okay and <laughs> they call that life yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> is there something in this session i'm thinking about the specific session that you did here is there something in the session that um went different to the way you were expecting it to so you, i'm assuming you have a vision and an idea for how the whole thing would go you always have hopes and well i hope it goes at least this well but was there anything about it that surprised you where they excelled in one area or they weren't uh, as advanced as you thought they would be in one area um th- well, to be honest, I wasn't sure at all how it would land for people, you know, because it's not something that I've um, ever shared before. Um, 
you know, it's something I've been developing on the side in all these leadership programs. And I do, uh, I'm a head coach in a leadership program. So I'm the coach of the coaches who coach the participants um, now after doing this program for three years in a row. And um, it's just not something I usually bring to parkour. So I was like, this is either going to show up as really, really obvious or people are going to be like, whoa. And <laughs> <laughs> Light bulb. Yeah. And um, luckily I got a lot of, a lot of feedback that, you know, a lot of like people like, wow, this is great. I've never thought of that. Mm. Um, but I definitely, I'm, I'm very interested in how does my communication, um, I, I, I say like land out there, which is sort of like landmark, mm -hmm. right, right. you know, right. Um, but right. How does it land out there for people? So I did a lot of, you know, why are you actually here? What are you dealing with? And um, I, I definitely, another thing that I wasn't sure how it was going to go was I was, was trying to be, um, was trying to specifically point out when people were labeling things and it luckily I, th I think i still succeed in creating a safe environment in that yeah that's gonna be a little tricky right <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah it was it was good people actually really responded mm -hmm. positively to that I, as far as i could tell as far as you could tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> i had an open door policy and i thought i got good feedback did you um did you find i'm always curious to know whether people who present just generally but we're talking about art of retreat whether people who present here are are able to actually create new connections. So it's it's one thing to say, um, so I'm, I'm like notoriously known for always being on the edge of things just because I'm, I'm super busy and I wanna see what's going on, but I don't really go to most of the sessions. So I have tons of great conversations with people, but it's basically people that I already know. So I'm wondering, you get this chance in this session to talk to people in this new context, and they're probably people that you haven't, you don't have a relationship with them, and they're not on your team, that you haven't trained with them. And I'm wondering, does it stick, like the relationship? So do you find that, and it, like this is in the future, but do you find that these people you think will follow up with you and that they might exchange ideas with you in the future? Or does it feel more like you gave them a gift on, on one time and it's like, I hope that goes well for you and, and who knows? Mm. Um, well, definitely, definitely. I, I, I mean, I can't say for sure people are going to like follow up with me, but I do know from my own experience of doing presentations, um, when I first ever did any keynote speaking, it was at Jump Fest and that was um, around like, strength training and knee pain and um and just basic optimization of of your of your body and out of that i still have people like literally uh two months ago i had someone from germany say oh i saw your jump fest talk online and i you know i want to work with you as a, as a, have as a, a question, client right? yeah. and i was like oh great you know like great like i didn't know that works okay. that is in germany but you know and, and they record the sessions and you can you can go and watch them online i'm a big fan of like record the stuff <laughs> me too <laughs> yeah no I mean, yeah. because like it, it, you create this artifact and it like i mean unless we unless we do a really horrible job and, and talk about fly fishing and then put it in the wrong venue if people will listen to it later people will watch it later and maybe they'll watch it multiple times um, yeah so. and and i think the the important thing is um talking about like how do we listen to each other i think it, there are uh, key moments in your life where you can actually alter someone's listening of you and i do find keynotes uh talks to be one of those moments you know like now from from my talk, people will know that that's something at least I'm interested in. They may have all their opinions about, did I provide good or right, bad Right, what was thoughts, the caliber, right. Right, but, but they're gonna listen to me as someone who has thoughts in that, in that conversation. Is there anything else that you wanna share other than the specifics of the session that we've been talking about? Yeah, um, I, I'd love to share about, um, it, I, I'm very interested in this conversation of like, how do we listen to each other? And, um, inside of how do you not how do you just listen to someone but how like what is an effective way to listen to people um and one way that i found to be very effective is listening to specifically people are made up of two different things one is their commitments and one is their concerns and um 
you can find out that people don't always tell you their commitments, right? We don't like walk around with banners in our head being like, this is what I'm committed to in life. And sometimes we don't even... <laughs> You know, like I'm not know laughing it, at right? you. I agree. <laughs> I'm thinking you don't know how committed I am to food is what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and um, but people's concerns will tell you their commitments. People get but we get stopped in being able to listen to that when we have assessments about it. So mm. going back to the uh, the T-shirt thing and, and this this poor guy, I was like, I kept bringing it up in the talks and now it's all, it's now immortalized <laughs> in this <laughs> recording as well. Um, but it was a great example of, um, you know, he, like looking at, okay, so people had this concern about t-shirts. All right, well, what's the obvious commitment that they have behind that? Clearly fashion is very important to them. Now, what's probably automatically there as a manager is assessments about whether or not that's actually a valid thing. Cause it turns out these were a bunch of, I think, teenager, like late teens, early twenties, you know, coaches. So there might be some assessment about how good or bad their, you know, their yeah. interest in fashion yeah. is and how right. valid that should be to the company. <laughs> But that kind of thing stops you from having, again, like a valid conversation, a candid conversation with someone. And, and it's such a small thing, but it really does like shift the way that you relate to people. And mm -hmm. I think that's been where my uh, success has been and why I actually ended up taking this position as program director is I really enjoy uh, partnering with people and creating what is important to them. And I see myself as a program director. My role is more so to cultivate what's important to people, um, which is why I'm like, okay, sure, you, let's, let's throw you in some classes and teach you how to coach, but really in the long run, what are you actually interested in? Like, maybe you're not interested in teaching kids classes. Maybe you're really interested in working with teens or seniors, or uh, maybe it's not coaching. Maybe it's performance team. Maybe it's design. Maybe the know? next program director, right? Who knows? Yeah, and like, how can I create um, a structure for them so that they can thrive and it works financially for the company as well? So they make money and, you know, we make money right. much the nonprofit makes money but <laughs> well <laughs> right yeah but, i mean the nonprofit just relates to like the ultimate end goal of why you're making the money but you have to cover yeah. expenses um and the it, it winds up i often say to people that i know on at a certain level i say employment is really not a zero-sum game so if you're working somewhere when you get your paycheck you should be thinking yes i didn't work that hard you should be thinking like you <laughs> yeah. are you i won like i got more than i delivered not because you're trying to steal from the company, but because you feel like you got a really good deal. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee your employer, because they haven't fired you yet, is going, yes, we got more work than we just spent money for. And that's literally how we're all creating value. Both parties in that trade were trading labor for a simple way of accounting. That trade creates value. So I, I think that the point you make is very insightful about it's important to be thinking about what, what are the underlying concerns and motivators for this person, what are yeah. the underlying drives. And, and we're really interested specifically at Parkway Visions and how do we cultivate leadership, you know, in, in whatever format that looks like, whether you're going to be someone who goes and creates talks or things, but, you know, everyone leads their own life is, is something, it's a phrase I stole from Caitlin, I think is brilliant. Um, and your life alters when you relate to yourself as a leader, um, as someone who can affect your life as opposed to someone who reacts to your life. Um, and as someone who is a, you know, an employer effectively, how do I take someone from showing up at a job to caring about their job so they're self-motivated with that. And and that's very much my goal is to meet people wherever they are along that journey. And sometimes that will mean that people will end up doing something else than Parkour Visions, and that's absolutely fine. Um, and I, one thing that we're working on cultivating at Parkour Visions is our um, curriculum. We're changing it from just being a, a level system of how good of a mover are you, like that's a part of it, but it's more like a choose your class sort of adventure of you end up being 
you know, you end up sort of discovering parkour and then being like, okay, but maybe I want to be a videographer. Maybe I want to be a coach. Maybe I want to be an event organizer or a blogger or whatever. And then you end up creating a project, you know, with that. And um, I think in the long run, that's going to be a system that's going to create more leaders um, that will help spread the good word of parkour faster than I can spread the good word of parkour. Yeah, and it, it seems <laughs> yeah. that would, that would play into each person who approached that program. It would play into their strengths. It would play into the things that resonate with them. Yeah. And it, it was it was funny because I had one coach specifically in a meeting where we started laying this out and they were like, so you want clients to stop being clients? <laughs> and we we're like, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes sense. You, not everybody is your client. So this certainly makes sense to do the best thing for them. It, it it pays forward the more that yeah. you get known for like the, as a personal person or a company the more you get known for being you know they do the right thing or i, I have like a i wouldn't say a close personal friend but somebody that i have a, a surprisingly close relationship with um he, the extent of my influence on him and his son in martial arts was after he came and watched a class and didn't really feel like what we were doing was good for him i suggested another martial arts school that was we're close yeah. with and and like a year later, I got like a Christmas present from the guy that was like a nice piece of calligraphy. And I was just like, what? And I had to actually think like, who is this? And then when I realized it was like, yeah, for me, that was a very, and I'm, I'm not trying to like, for me, it was a very simple gesture. I was like, yeah, okay. um, You know what? Maybe you should try and talk to, you know, so-and-so. And it was a very simple thing for me to do because it was honest. And for them, it was like, oh, thank you. That was like perfect. Most people would have been like, well, get out. You know, like it, it's just, you can, you, one can create so much effect so much change in the world by just doing the right thing, like the, the mm -hmm. right thing with a capital R, that it just comes back in spades later. Yeah, and I really think that's the goal of parkour. I mean, like Art of Retreat is a good example. I think we have a big goal of, of altering culture, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot in like the world. Right, yeah. <laughs> so not to sound too pretentious, but uh, I do think that's I don't think that's, that's pretentious. Really... That's, um, I think uh, it's good to have goals. And I don't mean that like, and it's good to have goals. Good luck with that. I mean, it's good to have goals and the opportunity to inspire other people. Um, even if you like, cause you obviously nobody has, you don't know how far that ripple goes. You inspire the six year old kid to get yeah. motivated and move. And then his grandmother sees it. And then, you know, like that stuff ripples out. So, uh, it's another reason why it's important to do the right thing, to be inspiring and to help when you can. Another tangent that I have um, inside of like changing culture is for me, I'm, I'm very interested in how can we as a, I guess as a nation alter the, so the number one cause of death of seniors is falling from a broken hip. Yes, indeedy. And what's the, you know the statistic for how often people fall every hour? No, I don't. Tell me. Oh my gosh. I, I don't remember, but it is alarming. It's like thousands of people a day who like yeah. fall and break hips. There's, yeah. a, there's somebody in the background with a phone who's like typing frenetically, look up the number. Maybe we'll get the number. Anyway, keep going. So you were saying people look bleeding cause of... <laughs> yeah. So so for me, I have this big pipe dream of what if we could alter that through parkour. And I don't think that's going to mean just teaching seniors. I think that's going to mean creating a whole culture of movement culture that's going to you know yeah. include like how do we alter our physical, our play spaces, our public spaces. So it's it's encouraged to go out and play at any age. And how do we you know teach people that like falling is good for you and all the just the basic things that as parkour people we know and so that's honestly always in the back of my mind where i'm like how can we always like grow as uh as i guess like that ties back into creating a culture in your in your workspace is like right. why are you doing the thing that you're doing and having a passion that even if it's like a pipe dream like that like how does that um motivate what you're doing so for me i'm like i just want to create leaders because then we're gonna like take over the world mm -hmm. and then make the world a better place and yeah, that's my little spiel. <laughs> no, that's good. So this is a little strange, but thanks to the internet, 
I'm going to read this because it's unbelievable. Falls are unfortunately a common occurrence. Falls are a serious health issue, and it is every 11 seconds, an older adult is treated in the emergency room for a fall. So there goes another one. I don't mean that like in a joking way. Every 11 seconds. According to the National Council on Aging, one in four Americans over the age of 65 falls each year. In 2014, older Americans experienced 29 million falls, resulting in 7 million injuries. And every 19 minutes, an older adult dies from a fall. That's wild. I mean, that's, yeah, just like, wild. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think I'm going to try and remember 19, every 19 minutes. Um, and one of the reasons I wanted to read those stats in is I have an older mother. My mother is, I probably should know exactly, it's 70 plus, 72, I think. Um, and she's, she, she's not, she's not svelte. <laughs> so she, she's still like way active. She's the one with the car and the driver and she goes everywhere. Like you can never get a hold of her. She's always busy. She went to dinner somewhere to meet friends of hers. And she came into like the entrance of a restaurant and tripped over a, a carpet runner rug. Basically, Which is like what an inch off the ground. Yep. Yeah. It was a short height. And basically I, I think what did she stepped on the bound edge. So it's like a quarter of an inch, but it was just enough to topple the short heel that she was standing on. And you know, like geometry, once you move that a little bit, unless you have the ankle uh, strength and reflex to bring it back. So it, her ankle tipped over and my mother has taken parkour classes. I don't know if that's yeah. why, but my mother took the dive. So now she's like dressed for dinner and meeting people and like making her entrance. This is an Italian woman. So she shows up, hair done and everything, and stumbles and chose to fall. And she fell and like tucked and down she went. And then she got up and she was like, wow, wasn't expecting to fall showing up at dinner, put her shoe back on, went and had dinner and then threw the shoes out, which is the other thing is get rid of shoes that are like that. But I'm like thinking, you know, that would have been like a really close call. Cause she said to her it was an eye opener because it was the fall, like falling, it was just, I'm on the floor. It was not like, oh yes, I know I'm in a dangerous place. I'll be careful here because of the rug. It was, oh, hey, how you doing? Bang, and I'm on the floor. So I'm sorry, I'm off on a tangent about people falling every 19 well, I'm all minutes. about it. Yeah. Because it's like the, you know, the proprioception and how, how related how related we are to space and related to our bodies right. in space is so important. Like I, I do remember, because I didn't grow up athletic at all. And I do remember a shift where when I started understanding how to fall down, it was like, it was like the world Liberating. slowed down for yeah. a second, right? Like, and I could actually like react and like, oh, I'm going to put my hands here now. And as opposed <laughs> to just like, My face goes boom. on this table, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I got to grab for this thing. And, right. and it's so needed. So. Terrific. All right. Well, people who might want to talk to you or learn more about the presentation that you gave, how can they get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so they can get a hold of me um, either on Instagram, which is Cordelia Jumps, or uh, at Park Revisions. My email is Cordelia at parkrevisions.org um, or through Facebook. Um, yeah, really any way. Terrific. Well, it was a pleasure talking to you, Cordelia. Yeah, always good. This was one of 23 interviews from the 2019 North American Art of Retreat. To hear the rest, check out Art of Retreat on castbox.fm. You can find out more about the Art of Retreat at artofretreat.com. Thank you for listening.